and provinces. Sentinel of the Great Bastion. Hey, hey, Cathay. This is the War Games Orchard. Welcome to the show. It's Nathan and GJ with you today, and we are going to talk about the new unit roster for Cathay in Total War Warhammer 3, and maybe touch on implications around the old world, the upcoming game from Games Workshop, in which we may even see some or all of this roster make an appearance this is really exciting news. I wanted to get to it sooner, but we were knee-deep in Storm of Chaos coverage, and then we had some technical difficulties, but now we're here. We're going to bring you probably too much breakdown of this unit roster, knowing our history for uh, news podcasts. Before we do any of that, we're going to hit on some news and some hobby. So, GJ... Why don't you go first today? What is coming across your hobby desk? I'm still working on my Dark Elves, and I actually got some painting in the uh, the other week, so I'm pretty happy about that. I, I finished a uh, Dreadlord that I had bought secondhand and needed a bit of retouching, and afterwards I think I've retouched so much that it would probably have been easier to just uh, toss them in... Uh, the uh, isopropanol and and start over again. But uh, well, I did that and uh, uh, some uh, dark elf crossbowmen um, that also needed some touch-ups. But because they are not characters, I can get away with uh, a bit less. So that's actually going well. Um, got started on my dark elf sorceress. The uh, I I don't know. Is this? I think it's the fifth edition. A fourth edition, maybe a Morathi model. Yes. But then later it was repackaged as a, a generic sixth edition sorceress. So it's it's the uh, the sorceress on foot with uh, uh, with the staff with the horns coming out. But these are my first dark elves I I'm I've ever painted. So um, it's going to be the start of my uh, dark elf force that I have mentioned. When we recorded it, it was a long while ago, but it might have been... You might have aired the episode not so long ago, but uh, I think I did mention at some point, or, or maybe it was on a Patreon episode, that um, a buddy of mine and I are going to do a, um, a Border Princess campaign from the back of the 6th edition rulebook. And we gave it our own twist. We're going to do an escalation campaign, and we're going to start off with uh, four armies each. 500 points plus some territories and some bonuses that they grant you and one of my armies is going to be dark elves and i'm going to use this as an excuse to paint up some armies to um that i don't have any models painted from yet uh, to get them up to 500 points and then later uh, 750 a thousand uh, something like that to, to get a couple of decent small forces uh, to give me some more variety um, so that's, that's the reason why I'm now painting Dark Elves all of a sudden. And uh, as for other hobby news, I've actually gotten a game in today, um, which was also very enjoyable. It was with a, a gaming group that I have been invited to become a part of. And just as I was sort of led into the group uh, to become the, the, the fourth player in the group of... Uh, well, that was originally three, but just just when that happened, um, COVID also happened, 
So I've been in the group chat for uh, over a year and a half, but this has only been today the first time that I met uh, two of the four other people, or two of the three other people. And we played a uh, 1500 point game of uh, Warhammer 8th edition with the Triumph and Treachery rules. Uh, first time for me playing with the with, with that rule set, and I must say it is very enjoyable. Uh, I don't know. Have you do, do you have any experience with uh, Triumph and Treachery, Nathan? It was always one of those things that I meant to do <laughs> and have yet to. <laughs> I really love the idea of it, especially because for later eras, I, I really like playing my ogres, and they're perfect for that. They're the ultimate mercenary force. They are force. awesome, yeah. And I would really uh, like. They, to they do actually that. Uh, won the day uh, today. So, uh, yeah, now, um, what, what you do with Triumph and Treachery is you can play with uh, two to five players. And instead of uh, going one at a time and, and counting, well, you're still going one at a time, but uh, you have a random turn order. Uh, so it's randomly decided each turn who gets to play his turn. And then every phase, you have to nominate one enemy. And that enemy is the only one that you can... Uh, actually, uh, for example, cast spells at or shoot at. And, and you can choose a different enemy every phase. And at the end of every phase, victory points are being calculated. And uh, depending on how many victory points you scored, you get uh, coins. And basically the one with uh, the most coins at the end of the game wins. So very enjoyable. You can make very nice alliances that can very easily be broken. You've got some some treachery cards that you can draw that will help you in uh, combat or shooting or th that can uh, redirect people that if they say I nominate you as an enemy you can draw a card and uh, play a card and say well uh, you have to nominate someone else so yeah that's um, uh, it's a very nice uh, rule set for multiplayer games and I think it can also be very easily adapted to other editions uh, you, don't, you don't need to play 8th edition to enjoy it so, um, yeah, basically, if you can get your hands on the set, um, don't hesitate. Got the money to spare, because I don't know what they are going for nowadays. I was lucky enough to have bought mine back in the day when it was in the, sh in, in the stores. And uh, I hardly even unpacked it. I, I only unpacked the, the, the cards uh, yesterday. It's been sitting in my, in my bookcase for, uh, I think, maybe eight, nine years or so. The no end came out. So yeah, that's uh, it, it was an investment that uh, paid off, uh, so to say. Well, sometimes um, it does take uh, investments a long time to, to pay off. I'm yeah. glad you got to play. <laughs> it's crazy that you've had to wait this long to get together with these guys. How, you know, just yeah, weird just the a, world just, is just now. Just four of us. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I have been meeting one of, one of them um semi-regularly we, we did a couple of battles uh, when we weren't in lockdown but it's indeed weird to have been part of a group for over a year and a half and and only getting to meet people from that group uh, today after after so long so uh, yeah but i was uh, really excited for the battle it was really enjoyable uh, a very nice group nice people too so yeah that helps but I think I am taking up almost all of the hobby time uh, that we've got. So uh, how about you, Nathan? 
Well, no games to report, but I did actually do some hobbying, and it seems like forever ago, the last time I was able to say that, I painted an orc battle standard bearer, or he's, he's really just a standard bearer, but I'm going to give him the promotion, and he is one of the classic metal orc standard bearers from Hero Hammer. I don't think he was a big un. Uh, but he was, you know, the the old metal uh, command blisters you used to get. Yeah. I think he was part of the standard orc command blister. And he's just he's just a fun little model. He's in chain mail, which I find always fun because that's an aesthetic you don't see too often for orcs outside of Ruglan's armored orcs. And he is. Uh, yeah, he's got his banner. He's got uh, an orc skull on the top of his banner. I haven't made the banner itself because as much time as I could muster to paint a model, I did not have time to make a sweet banner for him, but that is next on my list of things to do. I'm really just looking for little hobby projects at the, this point, and not even projects, just single models that capture my attention, because every now and then I've just got this urge that I need to do something, right? I need to stay connected. I need to yeah keep keep up my skills, right? I'm, I'm worried that I'm going to finish this program and I'm going to go to paint a model and like I'm going to end up missing and like painting the dog instead because I'm going to be so bad at it. <laughs> but in terms of painting single models, I actually have something really fun to announce. And this is something that I had run by you and Scott and something that's been kind of on my mind for a while now and that I hope will be popular amongst our community and that is we are starting a monthly painting challenge all the cool podcasts Yay. have some kind of challenge or some kind of community thing and we really needed one and ours is probably the least demanding i want to say of all of the uh, podcast painting challenges that i know of or other painting challenges that i know of uh, this isn't quite the Call of the Crown painting challenge. I'm not expecting a certain amount of points. I'm not expecting you to make an army out of what comes out of these <laughs> these little challenges. These are all single. Although it would be awesome if people could make an army out of them. Oh, that'd be absolutely wild. I would love that. This challenge is all single models. Uh, so it's just one model a month. And each month we're going to have a special theme. And these themes are silly, they're nonsensical. This is meant to give you a break from whatever hobby project that you're currently working on, so you can paint up something a little bit wild, a little bit silly, and a little bit fun. And our first challenge is going to start in November, and the theme for that is holding out for an unlikely hero. So I want to see your goblins who have decided they want to be brave knights. I want to see your chaos warriors who have had a change of hearts and now are good guys. I want to see your imperial guardsmen that have ambition and, and feel like they're going to be heroes of the Imperium. Just go wild with it. Anything that is an unlikely hero. I know, GJ, you had said that uh, you had painted up a while ago a, a snotling hero, right? Is yeah, that... I did. Yeah, a very long time ago. That was, uh, well, back in the day when uh, I was still a moderator on the Warmer forums, when they still had forums uh, on the GW website. Um, there was this sort of running gag about uh, Bobo the Wonder Snotling, <laughs> which was a snotling that basically... Could kick Chuck Norris's butt, um, to put it in some real-world terms, if, at least if you know those uh, Chuck Norris uh, quote-unquote facts. 
Uh, but th this was basically a snotling that that, that was um, like a, uh, a super guy who, who beat uh, Archeon single-handedly, something like that, uh, with his own sword probably. So um, what I did then was I made a, a snotling standard bearer for some reason. And I took one of those plastic snotlings from the uh, Night Goblin, 6th edition Night Goblin set. You had those snotlings with the uh, spiked club that they held above their head. So I, I cut up his arm and I bent it open a bit and I gave him a standard bearer with one of those uh, orc, um, uh, orc warrior standards. Uh, one of those uh, um, cow skulls. And uh, I have been... Have I used him? I don't think I've ever used him except as a mascot. Uh, but I I do want to use him if I run a 6th um, edition back of the book uh, Snotling Horde. Then he's going to be my general. He would be so perfect for that. I love it. And if you don't mind, once we pay post this challenge to the Facebook group, uh, I, I might get you to... Uh post a picture of him just to to give people some inspiration <laughs> oh sure yeah cool yeah uh, mind you though um i, I was uh, still in my teens when i painted him so uh my painting skills have uh, definitely improved since then and uh, this one still um let, let's say he won't win any competitions <laughs> Well, then I think what we need is a Mark II Snotling hero from you this month for <laughs> for an entry. Yeah. Uh, if... I, I don't think I will do a Snotling hero, but I have ordered a miniature that if it arrives on time, I'll try to paint up for the challenge. Nice. So nice. I, I do plan on participating. Uh, uh, also, if, uh, of course, the whole real world situation allows. Of course, we are yeah. entering some very busy months now with... Uh, holidays and birthdays and uh, work and everything so yeah no promises there but i will definitely try and that's part of the reason why i wanted to limit this to a single model challenge mostly because if i didn't i wouldn't be able to participate probably <laughs> at all <laughs> and yeah everyone's busy so this is really you don't have to make it the greatest thing in the world i just want to see some wild and, and wonderful miniatures come out of this challenge Nothing has to be specifically Warhammer Fantasy. You can use 40k. You can use whatever game system you want. Whatever you feel like painting Third up. Party if it's miniatures. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. Print something off if you're uh, one of the 3D printing master race uh, people that is uh, taking over the hobby slowly. And yeah, just have some fun with it. If you want to join us, we're going to be holding it on the Warhammer Orchard, which is our community page for Facebook. So just look up the Warhammer Orchard. I'm also going to be posting results on this show's page, which is the War Games Orchard. Uh, so if you find either one of those, you're in pretty good shape. And it should be a lot of fun. I've already kind of previewed it to the uh, folks on Patreon, and uh, we got some good interest there. So it's... It's going to be something that I'm I'm really hoping we can have a lot of fun with, and I'm definitely open to suggestions if anyone has a monthly theme that they would like to suggest. Uh, the sillier, the better, as long as it's something that you know people can can actually paint is, is something that is actually attainable. I am all ears for that. So that is something that I am very much looking forward to. 
look out for that on the 1st of November. Uh, just coming soon. So with this podcast is coming out on Monday. So yeah, you'll have about a week to, uh, to get think about models. that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just think about it. And then you've got all month to paint them. Entries are just due at the end of the month. And then we'll have a community vote to choose a champion. Eventually, I would like to have a little bit of prize support for this. It's not coming right now because, uh, you know, it's, it's times times are tough. I got I got some stuff to, <laughs> to pay for. Uh, but if I get the chance, I'm thinking of some custom dice in the future. And yeah, absolutely check that out. The only other thing I want to plug today is our Patreon. We have a Halloween special coming out this week. Uh, G.J. Scott and I sat down and talked about uh, spooky Warhammer miniatures and what Warhammer creatures, monsters, and other gribbly things we wouldn't want to encounter. <laughs> Our least favorite uh, <laughs> if we were in the Warhammer world. And that was a lot of fun. We also had a fun little Monster Mash game. So if you're on the Patreon, please check that one out. That'll be out this coming week. Maybe by the time you hear this. Speaking of plugging, I would also uh, like to uh, point out two uh, podcasts, if I may. Oh, yes. Um, one of them is uh, Warhammer Fantasy related. They are pretty new and I only discovered them a couple of weeks ago. And that one is called uh, Laying Down the Lore. Um, not the law, but the lore, as in the lore master. And this is a, um, a very nice podcast with uh, three uh, British people who uh, two of them know nothing about Warhammer and the third one knows everything about Warhammer. And they're just basically um, asking questions and, and explaining stuff. So uh, even for a uh, well Warhammer veteran like myself, it's still uh, highly enjoyable to listen to. Uh, I do have to warn you that they, there, there are some uh, not not safe for work language words talking difficult, but um, <laughs> well, you, you know what I mean. They they they, uh, they do use some swear words, uh, not as bad as, as some other podcasts. But if that's not your thing, then uh, be warned. And the other one I would like to mention is from um, Owen Staten. And Owen, uh, you may or may not know from the Hero Hammer fanzine. Uh, Owen, uh, he, he likes stories, he, he writes them, and he also uh, tells them. He's a professional storyteller. And Owen has his own, uh, also a podcast, but also a YouTube channel called uh, The Time Between Times. And there he... Uh, just sits down and tells stories in the way that stories are traditionally told uh, around the fireplace. Uh, most of them are from his native Wales, uh, so uh, folk legends, uh, ghost stories, stories about, and I'm probably going to butcher this name, the Tullowith Take, the, the fairies, uh, the fairy folk. Um, very enjoyable if you are into stories and uh, also highly recommended. So, um, these two I uh, wanted to mention, and uh, please, if you have the time, uh, check them out. Uh, but don't check them out if it's going to mean that you're not going to listen to us anymore, of course. That's fair. Don't <laughs> trade us for them. We'll be really sad about it. <laughs> yeah. This is what happens when we don't do hobby and news updates for close to two months. We, we do 20 full minutes of it, but 
we had a lot to get through. Yeah, so so that was the end of the episode. Thank you all for listening. Next week, we'll uh, do part two where we may may talk about cafe uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, no it's it's all good stuff uh i'm very excited about checking out those two podcasts actually especially that stories one that is really up my alley yeah i think uh, i think you will definitely enjoy it uh, there's some great folk tales and um most of them i had never heard of he, he also tells some some more familiar tales like um uh, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight is on there, uh, one of Aesop's fables. So some of them are more familiar, but uh, a lot of them are really those folk tales that if you are not from that part of the world, you will probably have never heard of, heard them. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, hi- highly recommend it. Awesome. All right, shall we jump in here? Let's. All right, Cathay is a big place, and we're gonna see how uh, how much we can get through today. If we still have some things that we haven't hit on, we might do a part two for this. We're gonna see what we can get through in the time that we have here. First thing I want to talk to you about before we even get into the roster is the history, or I guess lack of history for Cathay. <laughs> in Warhammer Fantasy. And this was something that I was doing a little bit of research on before the episode that we tried to do last week that failed on us. And it was really weird because my brain had made up a bunch of Cathay facts that I was just like, these don't exist anymore. Where, Why did I think this? Because Cathay is actually barely referenced even in Old Hammer. Uh, first edition, going back there, you've got the Men of the Orient, which is kind of your closest facsimile to what would be Cathay. Uh, that later split uh, into Cathay and Nippon. And you get a little bit more for Nippon than you do for Cathay. Nippon, of course, being the Warhammer version of Japan. Uh, Cathay really doesn't get a whole lot. You get some bestiary creatures uh, getting into to second and third edition. But at no point did we get a real nice list or really even a paragraph on the history of Cathay. And I realized why it was that I thought that there was more lore than there was. Because the very first Warhammer book I ever had was the Warhammer Army's 5th edition Lizardmen book. And that book actually gives you probably the most background on Cathay of any Warhammer publication to this point. And it's all to do with a story written from the perspective of a Cathayan who comes ashore uh, to Lustria and, and has some adventures with the Lizardman. And there's he, he's basically waiting for uh, what is a giant invasion fleet to to come to Lustria and it turns out that uh the slan of course knew the whole time and uh sent a, a hurricane or a typhoon to destroy this fleet before it ever reached Lustria but you get a little bit of his perspective and you get a little bit of knowledge on Cathay itself what i found really interesting going back and looking before this episode is that the emperor of Cathay in that book is referred to as the dragon emperor. The The symbol of the dragon is what saves the character f- 
from being sacrificed actually to Sotek because the lizard men capture him. They, they strip him down and they, they see this dragon tattoo that he has. And then they start, the skinks all start talking about it and what it means. And, you know, is, is this a sign from the old ones, et cetera, et cetera. You know, as they do, skinks are very excitable. And so he gets uh, a stay of execution and he, he eventually escapes and everything. It's a great story. I, I do think you should read it. But my main takeaway from this was that this new lore that they've created here, especially around the Dragon Emperor of Cathay, it's all it's all fresh. Uh, because I, I was sure that the Dragon Emperor used to just that used to be a title, uh, and I'm I'm certain now that it was, and that they have changed it to make him into an actual dragon, which is pretty cool if I'm being honest. Uh, Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because in this story, it talks about uh, the 15th year of Emperor Wu's reign, I believe. And of course, in the new lore, the celestial dragon emperor uh, not only founded, but is kind of the eternal emperor of Cathay because dragons don't really age. So there's a neat little bit of kind of remaking the lore that's going on to make it a little bit more fantastical and i just wanted to share that um what do you think about having this as part of canonical warhammer lore this this nation of humans led by dragons yeah well i'm i'm a bit um tossed between yay and nay uh for well let's let's start as uh uh, with the negatives first, um, we're getting another human faction. Um, we have basically the, the well, we will probably get more into this when we look at the units, but um, most of the units that are in the Cathayan roster are already um, available to other armies. I think uh, maybe Empire, maybe uh, those. Um, uh, uh, guns with uh, with the shields up front. They, uh, my mind immediately jumped to the Skaven Jezails. So um, not too much new things there, um, but uh, we also get to fill in a part of the map that has uh, up until this point has been unexplored, and that gets me really excited uh, because. You have those all those sections of the Warhammer world, uh, basically the entire Far East and, and most of um, well the equivalent of uh, our world, uh, Africa and the Middle East. Uh, we have some units from them, some models even at some points, but that's basically it. There's still a lot of things there that are unexplored, and uh, I do like that they are going to. Uh, delve into them and and going to um, explore those a little bit further. Uh, I do think that just looking at the Cathayan units and and everything that it, it, maybe they could have done a bit more with it in terms of uh, the the fantasy part. Uh, but well, that, that might just be my opinion. That's interesting. You've got a lot of points there and some that I, I absolutely agree with. To the fact that they are a human faction and as you mentioned, a lot of their stuff is done by other factions in the game. 
when I was going through the unit roster, I, I did see that. Like you've got the you've got the the kind of winged cavalry that are a bit like Pegasus knights. You have yeah. the uh, yeah the uh, the unit that is similar to the Skaven Jezels. You've got even units that are you know you've got your your crossbowmen. Although crossbowmen for Warhammer Fantasy are always somewhat unrepre- underrepresented uh, unit, I think. But you've you've got a lot of options here that you would see in a normal Empire list as well. I think yeah. I think where we'll see them kind of be a little bit more unique is in the infantry because when i look through this i see they've got the chaff infantry they've got the uh kind of medium and the heavy infantry and there's not a lot of factions in warhammer fantasy that have all three of those things it's usually some combination of one or two uh and I, i think that could make them a little bit unique but there is a lot here that is very very familiar and i wonder how much of that is creative assembly and i I don't know how much they worked with games workshop i assume games workshop had a big hand in helping them with designing these maybe this is you know all games workshops doing i don't know but there's a lot here that it that rings very familiar the wuzing uh wuzing war compass is kind of the celestial hurricanum by another name yes uh you know the the artillery and war machines you know they just stole them from the empire and made them cool dragon faces like i i I don't hate them but i i they're they're not super unique we will come to some unique stuff as well but i i do agree with you that a lot of this stuff is kind of already done at the same time i do understand that warhammer you know there's only so many types of units that you can create right so i think yeah that's true yeah yeah yeah, i think there and um and you do have those uh giant terracotta warriors that are pretty unique well yeah you have to, of course the tomb king's bone giant but they will probably function in a different way and i think that the the most uh, unique part of this army um will be the way that those units uh, function together uh, because some of those units are uh, yin aligned and some of them are yang aligned and i think that if you at least that's, that's the way that i read this if you um, put those two together or next to each other, they give each other bonuses or, or um, they buff each other in some way. So I think that will be a way to uh, to make this army um, play very different from other factions that have similar units. Absolutely. The interlace nature between the yin and the yang units could could be a lot of fun. My my brain is always kind of wondering, I wonder what that would look like on the tabletop if if they were to uh, become a, a playable faction in the future. But let's not get too ahead of ourselves on, on that yet. Although I do, I do definitely want to hit on that. Um, why don't we start with the the legendary lords and we'll kind of work our way down here we're not going to go through every little bit of their fluff and and their abilities and that kind of thing because again this is all for total war not the tabletop game so it's not super relevant uh in in total but although for the uh designs for the total war game uh, they did give all of these units and characters uh, eighth edition stats and rules so um I think if you, well, of course, we don't know yet what the rule set is going to be of Warhammer the Old World, but um, 
those rules and stats if they are published at some point or maybe you can extract extract them from the game uh, when it's released uh, you will probably be able to play Cathay in 8th edition uh, no problem that is tremendously cool I had no idea that was the case I didn't realize yeah, that they a, had uh, that at all they, they said it in uh, I think on one of the warmer community posts I'm not sure where I read it but they they did uh, Creative Assembly did give every one of those units uh, an eighth edition profile. That's awesome. That is so so cool. I love that they did that. And, and they also promised, by the way, that um, everything that we will be in uh, Total War Warhammer will also be released for tabletop. Oh so, oh, is that uh, true? We, we I uh, thought that was just yeah, true for uh, Kislev. Maybe I've been extrapolating then, but um, all right, might be might be that was only true for Kislev. I'll I'll see if I can find it uh, yeah. real quick. But uh, yeah, yeah, because that's that's huge news if that's the case. I, I like that that changes that changes everything <laughs> uh, if that is the case. Um, well, yeah. While we're going through this here, let's take a look at. So there's two dragons here that we we get as legendary lords. And when I saw the trailer, I was a little confused because I had no idea that they were going to be dragons. It was That was kind of a shock to me. Uh, so I see uh, the first one, uh, I believe her name's Mao Ying, uh, the storm dragon. And uh, these are the children of the celestial dragon emperor of Cathay. Uh, some of his children, he's got more, uh, but these are the two that we're starting the game with. And the other one is Zhao Ming, uh, and he is the iron dragon. And we get a little bit of their personalities here which is interesting um Mao Ying is uh she's she's kind of the classic overachiever sibling uh she protects the the great wall and uh I guess it's the great bastion in in Warhammer and uh but you know she takes her job quite seriously Zhao Ming sounds kind of like a fun guy uh he likes to likes to party with his with his human buddies uh he's a big big fan of alchemy which i find really fun i think alchemy is super cool just as a as an idea uh so i like a little bit more of that in warhammer so for one of the reasons i always liked balthazar gelt as well and what i found interesting as a takeaway from these two characters firstly i like that they're not crazy over designed i was really worried that anything that would come out of the modern studio for games workshop at this point is going to be like full-on age of sigmar in in terms of aesthetic and even for special characters and i know they like to to up the game for special characters they don't seem too bad honestly like I, and i i could i could even say that about the rest of the cathayan roster here these look like humans with human normal human armor right they're they're a little bit more yeah. ornate than uh you might have seen in in earlier times in in china you know where where we would draw our, our analogy to but at the same time it fits really well and it isn't it isn't crazy over the top and i'm so happy about that yeah that's definitely a good point and um I've been uh, uh, scrolling through the, uh, the things that have been released uh, both in preparation for this episode and now while you are talking and I do agree with you that uh, some of them don't look over designed but 
these are also, uh, we have to bear in mind, sketches that are going to be in a computer game. Um, so I don't know how much detail would translate to the game being able to still run smoothly. So uh, it might be that they these are just... Um, well, of course, they, they look good, and even the, the screenshots from the uh, uh, from the actual game, they, they look pretty magnificent standing there under armor. Um, but I can imagine that if you put a lot of details like extra pouches and, and, and daggers and everything, the stuff that you would find on those later era Games Workshop sprues and, and even today on the Age of Sigmar sprues, um, that it might make it a bit unwieldy for the computer, but that might also just be speculation on my part and showing that I don't know anything about how these computer games actually work in terms of computing capacity. Uh, I can't really ga gainsay you on that because I also have no idea how these computer <laughs> games work. But uh, it's it's a good point, though, because we don't know, yeah, if this is if this is the the sketches that are going to be used for just the video game the video game and tabletop if that is the case yeah. if we do get uh cathay at some point or uh maybe you know games workshop decides to to go their own way and make it uh even crazier but i i just wanted to say mostly that i like what i see here and yeah, it's yeah. it, it's and a source of optimism yeah. in times when i don't have a lot of optimism <laughs> in, game, in games workshop <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and and to answer your question, there, um, some of these concept sketches um, are showing the Warhammer the Old World logo on them, so I guess we are going to see them in uh, the Old World and uh, not just in the computer game. Although you are correct, it says here in uh, one of those blogs that um, the whole Cathayan faction has completely been designed by a Creative Assembly. So, um, uh, no, wait, I misread that. Uh, I'll take that back. It, it is a Warhammer Studio creation through and through. Maybe I should read first and then talk. <laughs> My apologies. Yeah. No, but, but so um, everything that's in here in this game has been uh, apparently designed by the Warhammer Studio. Um, and that would at least... Uh, make me hopeful that we are going to see this as a faction in Warhammer the Old World. I mean, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense now. And man, I would have bet against it so hard earlier on. I, I think I, I think I said it on the show. I was like, there is no way that this is happening. And in my defense, this was supposedly... Well, I mean, not supposedly. This is this upcoming game is literally called Warhammer: The Old World, and the old world being the region of the Warhammer world that is analogous to Europe. It, it was all of yeah. the the kind of I, I want to call them like the main factions of of Warhammer Fantasy, but they they are the main factions. And I wasn't expecting to see I wasn't expecting to see a lot of the existing stuff from Warhammer Fantasy. I wasn't expecting to see Tomb Kings. I wasn't expecting to see Lizardmen, Ogres, uh, certainly not Chaos Dwarves, certainly not Cathay, <laughs> who are on the <laughs> other side of the planet, or at least the Darklands. So that makes me wonder, why in the world do you call it 
Warhammer the Old World if we're getting stuff from Cathay or from other far-flung places. I'm not complaining about getting these things. I'm mostly complaining about the choice of of term there. Like, why not just call it the Warhammer yeah. World at that point? I, I, that would have been I, I more... Think, uh, I think... I do agree that the term is confusing, but I think the Old World um, might have been meant not just as the equivalent of real-world Europe, but of actually uh, the old Warhammer world that got blown up uh, when 8th edition ended. Mm. So uh, the entire world that was. Which again, could have been a better name than <laughs> Warhammer the yes, Old World. Yes, their, their problem is true. choosing a term in which they already had a meaning for it, right? If, if that is what they yeah. meant, if they meant like the old Warhammer world. Uh, but let's, I could, I could litigate this forever. We should, we should move on. (laughs) Maybe they didn't even know it themselves at the point when they said we are going to do Warhammer the Old World. And maybe they did want to do just, um, Old World, uh, as in geographical Old World factions. And then later on decided that, well, we can add some more factions and, oh, well then Old World can also refer to, um, the world as it was uh 500 years ago you know what i wouldn't bet against that that's a great point (laughs) they may not have known right so so we have dragons so we have dragons they're they're pretty cool Uh, i i'm i'm into them i always like the eastern dragon designs those very long kind of snake-like dragons i i think they look absolutely cool i'm okay with them as a addition to the warhammer world i like the idea of them leading a nation i always found it weird that dragons despite being super powerful super intelligent and super long-lived were always just mounts for these little uh, (laughs) like short-lived races that they don't really have any uh necessarily any kind of connection to naturally i always thought that was really weird so i i don't mind this at all i like that no, these dragons yeah. can take human form i think that's really interesting i think it'll make for some interesting models uh if they do come to the old world where you'll be able to do a little bit like you do in age of sigmar and have them as uh you know marathi in age of sigmar where she can be the big snake lady or she can be kind of herself I think you could do that with both of these too. Yeah. Um, and it, you, they've really left the door open for adding, and I'm sure they will add more dragon siblings as far as the uh, lore and, and at least the Total War game is concerned, right? Because Creative Assembly loves yeah, doing those probably, little D- yeah. DLCs. One of the things that I want to hit on here is that we get a sense too of what kind of magics we might see from Cathay. There's both a yin and a yang lore that we see uh, mentioned here, as well as they're into the, the classic lores of magic as well. So for uh, uh, Mao Ying, the uh, she's what? She's the iron... No, the storm dragon. The storm dragon. Storm dragon. Yeah. And uh, so she spe- specializes in the lores of yin and life. So life, of course, we know what that's about, but yin uh, is a bit of a mystery so far. Uh, though it seems to be the more aggressive of the two um yeah judging by um just the the titles of those spells i think they it's safe to say that this one is going to be um 
more of an offensive lore and the lore of uh, Yang is going to be more defensive lore. Mm-hmm. And uh, Zhao Ming, uh, our alchemist, has the lores of Yang and metal, which, again, we're, we're not... That's no surprise, really, uh, when you read his lore. Although I like what they have as... So Yin and Yang kind of makes this army... And it's a little on the nose, and I was I was gonna complain about that a little bit, and then I realized that on the nose is exactly what Games Workshop does and has <laughs> always done. And for Warhammer, Warhammer fantasy especially has always been very on the nose, so I can't really complain about that. Um, and I I don't think I'll mind it at all. So for anyone who hasn't gone over the the roster and hasn't read it, uh, the way that Yin Yang works is uh, all Cathayan units ascribe to either yin or yang. And when close to the opposite, they receive buffs. Uh, so melee yang units become more defensive and harder to kill, while ranged yin units fire faster. And then your lords increase the benefits while they're nearby those units. I, I really like that as a possible yeah. way to make this a very very unique faction from the other human factions and, and all the other factions in the game. It, it does make it unique, uh, but in this, at the same time, it does also remind me a little bit of the Empire Detachment system, where you have, for example, a unit of um, spearmen that's being flanked by a detachment of handgunners, and that way that bo both units can protect each other, and when one is charged, the other can countercharge. Of course, it's, it's not as um, tactical as the Empire Detachment system, but it does remind me a bit of that, that you want those uh, different kinds of units uh, tied together in some way. Mm -hmm. I, I think, yeah, that's a really good point. The Empire Detachments, that's a great analogy to this, because it is that kind of stick close together and support one another but you're not looking at yeah the the tiny units attached to the big units you're you're just looking at no, no that's, kind that's of why the analogy fails uh, that's true yeah yeah but it's it's useful in that we have seen something at least akin to it before whereas this one is going to be two units complementing each other by standing near each other uh honestly it it, it seems a little bit like the Tau in Warhammer 40k and some of their special rules about being close to each other and getting buffs, um, which I, I suppose makes a little bit of sense as well. That would be an even better comparison had I known anything about 40k. <laughs> now, what do you think about the dragon-blooded uh, lords here. So this is kind of the next step down. These are yeah. the progeny of the dragons, and it's not said, but it's implied that they're half human. It's it's not it's well, not yeah, straight right. out stated, but it, there's there's only one option. <laughs> that's, right? that's the way uh, that's the way I read it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, anyway, yeah. So so these are basically uh, your 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 magic users, right? So these um, dragon blooded uh, Shugengan lords. I am terrible at. Uh, pronouncing these names um so uh, yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, what they can do especially those two new lores uh what they are going to be um it, it does strike me that uh, both lores the lore of yin and the lore of yang have six spells whereas in warhammer 8th edition all the lores had uh, seven spells as a rule uh, and you had the signature spell that you could um, 
any spell you could swap out for the signature spell. Um, and there were only six that you could roll. So I am curious to see how this would translate into game terms. Um, does it mean they're going to drop the entire signature spell concept? Does it mean that uh, they will get uh, an additional spell each that will be their signature spell when they go um, get their army book? So, yeah, I don't really have much to say about them as yet. It's more like I'm really curious to see which way this is going to go. Yeah, they they have a really interesting type of potential, I think, from, from a lore perspective yeah. of, of being a really neat kind of halfway between the fantastical nature of the dragons and, and the very mundane nature of, of most of the humans of Cathay. I like that the idea that, yeah, these dragons have been around forever. They get bored. You know, sometimes maybe they're going to find a human that they like. And uh, the offspring of that is is going to be one of these guys. I didn't notice the spell thing. I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm uh, I, I'm really going to be interested to see what we get for these lures. They look to me like quite a ch- uh, variety in, in here of, of buffs uh, maybe damaging spells and yeah. uh, your your classic kind of uh, hexes and, and, and debuffs and that kind of thing. So um, the lore of Yang is the first one, and uh, it focuses on buffing allies with resolute belief or disrupting enemies with walls of wind. In particularly dire situations, it can also unleash mighty explosions upon the enemy. So yeah, buffs, debuffs, and it explosions um and what else do you, do you need what else do you need that's a great question yeah yeah so we got the jade shield the d- dragon's breath wall of wind and fire stone ground stance might of heaven and earth and constellation of the dragons or the dragon i like those names uh the lore of yin is a mo- more esoteric school with the power to reflect projectiles or summon the ghosts of the dead to assist in battle just dabbling in some light necromancy there uh, those who practice it can shield their allies behind obfuscation and remove foes in the dead of night. Their spells are Storm of Shadows, Cloak of Jet, Missile Mirror, Blossom Wind, Talons of Night, and Ancestral Warriors. Uh, so yeah, a lot of potential there. I think when Games Workshop, if slash when Games Workshop adds Cathay as a tabletop faction, I could see them just taking these and, and deciding these names and deciding what they want them to do on the tabletop. Yeah. Cause you got some good names here. Um, Definitely good names. And some of those names remind me of things that you could um, probably see in some kind of martial arts. Uh, now everybody please uh, take the stone ground stance and then unleash the might of heaven and earth. Uh, so yeah, I, they are. Uh, they definitely put me in mind of those um, Chinese Oriental uh, terms. That is, well, actually the theme of this army, of course. So very well chosen. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to mention about these guys uh, is that at the very bottom here, they they tell you they can be mounted on a warhorse. Or they can be mounted on a Jade Longma. And a Jade Longma is a little bit more mysterious than a horse, because we all know what a horse is. But the Jade Longma is actually kind of towards the bottom of our 
little preview yeah. here. And uh, the best I can say is that a Pegasus and a dragon uh, had a child and and this is it. And it looked like they come in either non-winged or winged varieties. Uh, they're they're pretty wild. Sh- sh- shall I tell you a bit of a secret, Nathan? Yeah. I, I know a, a tiny smidgen of Mandarin and uh, long is a Chinese word for dragon and ma is a Chinese word for horse. So they are actually just dragon horses. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I guess, I mean, they're very I, I, I mispronounced them because... Uh, Depending on the um, uh, the intonation, uh, Mark can also mean uh, mother or asking, and, and Long can also mean wolf. So, yeah, uh, but I think that the, the most um, obvious combina- combination of these two um, syllables is that they are dragon horses. I mean, that's just so on the nose, it has to be correct. But they, they yeah. look the part. They look gorgeous. I, I really like them. I would love to see them as models. I would love to paint them in the scheme they've got. They've got, uh, like, hair bits that are yeah. kind of a bright orange. They've got greenish, glimmering scales. I think they look gorgeous. Uh, they're they're actually one of the designs that I like the most out of this entire set here. I think it's going to be interesting to see them as mounts for... Uh, both the characters and then there's there's a, uh, a special unit as well that that uses them as mounts. They're going to be a lot of fun. I really really hope this becomes a an army on the tabletop because man, there's going to be some people who do amazing things with with some of these if they look like they look in these previews. The last thing that we're going to do, because we're going to split this into two parts, uh, I just don't have a lot of time today, so we only have about an hour to record. Is uh, I have found, by the way, that uh, these um, uh, uh, dragon-blooded lords, they are actually the uh, progeny of the dragon siblings. Uh, so, yeah, they are their actual descendants. Mm-hmm. And that is is super fun i i love the idea of just yeah. yeah they they've got these just a bunch of kids roaming around the countryside because you know that's that's what you do i guess if you're an yeah. immortal dragon uh so yeah so we're we're just running a little bit short on time here so maybe we'll try and quickly get through the 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 human uh side of things here the full-on humans we have the lord magistrates who are generals or lords of cities we have the alchemists who, well, they're alchemists, and we have the astromancers. These are your more mundane, I guess, empire general slash wizards. Um, yeah, I do Warrior like priests. Uh, maybe the alchemist with the, the potions that imbue them. Mm-hmm. I do like that alchemists are are a forefront in Cathay. I think that's really cool. I'd love to explore that more. And uh, the astromancers are interesting because it always makes me think of like the skink astronomers and, and that, that kind of idea. And it's the same like lore of the heavens. And I like that this is, and I know that empire wizards, there's some that the, from the celestial school that are, that are astronomers as well. But I really like the focus on, I think, two types of magic that maybe get a little bit overlooked in, in Warhammer Fantasy. And in terms of 
what's been written in the lore and, and certain characters and that kind of thing. I really like that. Uh, yeah, we're getting we're getting astronomers and we're getting alchemists as as wizards for this army. The magistrates. Yeah. I mean, that's your your basic kind of hero level guy. I think he looks pretty dope though. He's got a he's got a real kind of Nagash hat going on in the uh, the photo here. <laughs> like he's like he, like he saw a picture in a in in like a bootlegged copy of the Libra Mortis or something. He was like, you know, I could probably make a pretty sweet uh, version of that hat. It just something that struck me there yeah 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 i mean honestly if i could wear a nagash hat every day i would uh unfortunately i've already committed to uh wearing a heinrich kemmler hat everywhere i go so you know my (laughs) my head is spoken for but others out there if you want to rock the the nagash look i respect is all i'm gonna say this is kind of neat. What's fun about these guys is uh, you see some of the mounts here. The magistrate can actually go on the Sky Lantern, which is a, a fun one that we'll get to on the next part here. Yes. Um, but yeah, any any thoughts on the the human heroes? Well, yeah, like you said, uh, glad that they gave those uh, sort of overlooked lores uh, a bit of extra attention. Um, I always like when you have these wizards that are specialized. Uh, I, I love what they did with, for example, the Empire Wizard set, where you can uh, build all those different kinds of wizards and, and have them from uh, the different colleges. And these are uh, wizards that are completely focused on uh, the law of the heavens or the law of metal. And um, I think that's that's better than just have, uh, for example, a beastman shaman that can use uh, law of the beasts or law of death or law of shadow. Or I, I don't know what they can use. Uh, I think those are in there. And and then uh, just have the same shaman model and say, well, this time he's uh, playing around with the law of beasts, and the next time the same model is going to use. Uh, uh, the lore of uh, lore of shadow and this way you have those uh, models on the table that will instantly show you uh, this guy is using the lore of heavens and he's never going to use anything else so yeah that's um, it, it does give you more models to paint which can be a good or a bad thing but I, I do like that you can put those uh, basically, there's what you see is what you get. This is a guy in blue robes, and he's going to use the Law of the Heavens. Yeah, that's a great point. Absolutely. I didn't really think about that, but wizards tend to do double or triple or sometimes quadruple duty in Warhammer Fantasy. And yeah, yeah with these guys having their specialties, you know exactly what you're getting on the tin with them. That's a great point. All right. I think we're going to have to end it here for today. And we will pick this up next week with uh, the rest of the units here. Hopefully the rest of the units. I I can't turn this into a a super multi-part series. Another six-parter? Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Why why not? It's only a single article. How long could it possibly take to get through? Yeah. Uh, Man. Yeah. I I bet the uh, (laughs) Old World's Lives guys did this in like 20 minutes. But that's that's their show. Our show is we are thorough. We we dig deep. Maybe too thorough, yeah. Maybe too thorough, no, definitely uh, too thorough, yeah. If we are too thorough, let us know, and we will try <laughs> not to change anything. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> it. Uh, make sure to check out the painting challenge on the Warhammer Orchard Facebook page. 
And uh, for Patreons and people who are thinking about being Patreons, uh, don't forget the uh, Halloween special is coming out uh, this week. Might be out by the time you hear this, depending on when you listen to it. That's going to do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the War Games Orchard. If you enjoy the show, why not join us on Patreon? There you'll gain access to all of our bonus content for any level of donation. It's a great way to help us keep going and enjoy extra Orchard content. If Patreon's not your thing, please consider giving us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice and sharing this show with friends. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on Facebook at The Warhammer Orchard and The War Games Orchard, or by email at wargamesorchard at gmail.com. <laughs>